Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 105 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening or participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And uh, speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or you know if you've been a Muslim all of your life and just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, and with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic, uh, we will discuss and, and, and talk about uh, possession by the jinn, because it doesn't happen by anything else. Just to let you know. Uh, you know, like, like I said before, ghosts don't exist. Being possessed by a soul from uh, some, you know, somebody else or that doesn't exist. This is not real. Uh, these are all, you know, like uh, kind of fantasies that are not related to actual reality and real life in any way, shape or form. Before we talk about possession, I want to clarify one thing. When, when We'll talk about symptoms. We'll talk about, you know, certain things that happen. But if these things happen to you, and I, I have to stress this out because I've met a lot of people who are paranoid. Like certain things happen to them and they'll be like, mm, uh, I feel like I'm possessed by the jinn. Now, possession is real. That's why we're talking about it. Possession is real. It's mentioned in the Quran and in multiple hadith by the Prophet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, touched by the devil, meaning possessed by the devil. And and by the way, you're no one is immune from possession except for the religious and the righteous person who mentions Allah a lot. We mentioned this. This actually is the theme throughout all the episodes. And it's it's the reality. You protect yourself physically, mentally from the whispers of shaitan by remembering Allah, by dhikr, by doing dhikr, by remembering Allah, seeking Allah's protection all the time. Uh, some people slack, some people, you know, and it happens to them, right? Uh, now, what I'm uh, the, the the clarification that I want to make before we talk about you know get into the detail is that not every symptom that you experience or you see someone experiencing that does not mean that they're possessed or you're possessed. Not automatically. You should not go automatically. And and by the way, the top scholars in Islam tell you what I'm telling you right now. They say that you should not assume at first hand that this is possession. You go to a physician, a doctor, you seek medical help. Islam does not. And that's why a lot of people think Islam is a barbaric religion. Not Muslims, of course. We're talking about like the, 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 the anti-Muslims, you know, the Islamophobes. Because they see certain samples of people. I mean, they hate Islam, period. But that who are, for example, they, they, they refuse medical help. And they say, well, Islam will cure me or the religion will cure me. Allah will cure me. Guess what? Allah told you to seek the means help comes from allah being cure comes from allah but you you cannot just sit home and be like yeah yeah forget about technology forget about me medicine forget about uh, i'm just gonna be cured no 
as a Muslim, and that was the theme, even in, from the previous you know season when we talked about the life of the Prophet He always see why did the Prophet go to war and he was injured multiple times. He could have just sat home and said, "Oh Allah, grant me victory." Allah is teaching us to do the work. So if you feel any any problems or, you know, and we're going to get to the symptoms in a second, but like if you feel weird or if you feel any of those symptoms at any certain, you know, point in time in your life, seek medical help. This is the first thing, by the way. You seek medical help. You as you go to a doctor, like in anything, if you get, you know, any disease, mental or physical, you go to, to, to see a doctor, the specialist of whatever you're, you know, complaining about. Once doctors... And this is only, again, pertaining to the symptoms that we will discuss. But once doctors say, you have nothing wrong, you are completely fine, then we look at the route of possession. You understand? Again, like not everything's like, for example, some of the symptoms are um, not wanting to listen to Quran, you know? When, when there's a Quran around, you just like you're not motivated. You feel like you're too very lazy to pray, and you just don't want to listen to Quran. Now that could have a mental explanation. I'm not saying it it, it won't be possession, but I'm saying you'll have to find out if you have mentally something off about you, right? And then if if that was ruled out, and no, you're you're completely fine then we talk about you know uh, possession and you go to also a scholar you don't go to your uh, muslim neighbor hey you can help me out someone has to have knowledge to help you with this now if it's out of the realm of medicine and in the medical realm then you seek the help of a very knowledgeable scholar and they can walk you through it and we'll talk about it here even like the steps but one thing we need to understand before we actually get into that, and, and, and again, this is the nice intro for it, is that Shaitan and he, you know, and Satan and his followers, they seek to harm us, human beings, period. Whether you are their ally, whether you are a disbeliever, that's what I mean by ally, uh, whether you are an, an average Muslim, you know, uh, mediocre Muslim, or whether you are righteous, they have, you know, like I said, they have uh, people or types of jinn or evil jinn that targets every you know certain category of what I just said. The righteous, the disbeliever to keep them, you know, on the path of disbelief and even make them go crazier, you know, by, you know, not having any rules in their lives or for the, you know, average Muslim to make them less and less until they uh, hopefully for them to you know to disbelieve or for the righteous one they press hard because they are the ones with knowledge. So it, it all depends. This is a mission like I said, this is the goal of their existence. They live to make us disbelieve or at least to make us die upon major sins. Now, they inflict harm on us, physical and medical. For example, one of the things, one of the examples of a mental harm is dreams, nightmares. Now, nightmares and dreams, by the way, the Prophet very explicitly in an authentic hadith told us that dreams, including nightmares, of course, are categorized, you know, or fall under three, one of three categories. So when you have a dream or a nightmare, whether it's good or bad, it falls under, under one of three categories. Number one, com something coming from Allah. And automatically, if you have a, a, a dream that's coming, of course, we'll never know. But some, actually, some dreams kind of you'll you'll feel that there's something very good about it. So nightmares don't come from Allah. Once you have a nightmare, it did not come from Allah. 
right? So only good dreams and good dreams with very certain, I don't know how to say, but like sometimes you have a very, just something overwhelming about a dream that it's very good to you or for you. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a dream that feels like it's not just a normal dream. You know, being, for example, like in a room that's filled with lights and you hear some, you know, uh, soft sound, uh, not music, of course, soft sound, uh, and you feel like something good. You can even smell something good in a dream. That could be coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the number one source of dreams, the number one category is, is, you know, the the first category is uh, dreams from Allah. The second category is subconscious. You... I have been thinking about something for a while and you go to sleep and you, you have a dream about it. Whether Now this falls into good or bad dreams. So you can have a nightmare because of your subconscious or you can have a really good dream because of your subconscious. So that's the second source. The first source is Allah. The second source is your subconscious. The third source, which is only nightmares, come for the, the, comes from shaitan. So the, the, the third source of dreams or nightmares at this point the, 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 the comes from uh, the devil, from shaitan, from the evil jinn. So again, we have three sources of dreams. Allah, which is very rare, only for specific people, of course. Allah, only good dreams. And, and they're like supernaturally good. You feel something crazy about those dreams that are not just a good dream. Uh, so that's the first source. Second source is subconscious. Could be good, could be bad, depends on your subconscious, right? And the third source is shaitan, which is always bad. So you have always good with Allah, always evil, or always like a nightmare from shaitan. And in the middle, your subconscious could be, you know, either or. So again, they try to harm us in our dreams. And like, like the Prophet said, you know, shaitan could take the form of any person, you know, in a dream. So shaitan could literally to manipulate you, to, you know, make you have bad dreams or, you know, they... They take the form in your so it's as if they're like acting in the movie. They take uh, they, they they transform into characters in the movie based on your real life, you know, people that you know. So the Prophet said, the, the shaitan could take the shape of anyone in, in any dream as long as the dream is not coming from Allah, even if it's coming from your subconscious, right? Unless or except you see me. If you see me, then you saw me. Shaitan cannot take the form. We talked about this before. Shaitan cannot take the form of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Like I said, and you'll know. How would you know that it's Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu coming to see you in a dream? You'll know in the dream. And once you know in the dream, then yeah, you can verify then. So that's, you know, number one. Or like the, the, the first type of harm that they inflict on us. The second type of harm is actually burning homes. You'll be shocked. The Prophet said in an authentic hadith, "Idnimtum fatfiu surujakum, fa inna shaitan yadli mithla hadhihi ala hada fatuharqum." Let me explain to you. Uh, the Prophet was sitting one time in his house, and then uh, a, a mouse, small mouse, just you know, uh, was running. And then uh, you know, the back in the day, they had the oil lamp with fire. So the uh, mouse just freaked out or whatever, hit the lamp. The lamp fell, almost caused the fire. But the Prophet you know quickly you know contain the situation then right after this the prophet said by the way when you go to sleep now he's telling us when you go to sleep turn off the lights now we're talking about the lights that are including fire back in the day uh, you know anything that that's fire including turn it off before you go to sleep because shaitan the prophet is telling us would cause anything in your environment to cause your house to burn to burn you while you're asleep or to burn the house while you sleep 
the Prophet basically was indicating that whoever caused the, 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 the mouse to freak out and hit the lamb was shaitan. And the, one of the methods or you know, of the shaitan is also wind, controlling the wind to cause fire, controlling animals, controlling insects that, again, in a way could, you never know. So be careful. The Prophet is telling us, when you go to sleep, do not anything on fire. Like don't, and, and please, I know some people like to do that. My dear brothers and sisters, I, I do not do that. Do not ever fall asleep while having a candle on. It's against the sunnah. Now it's, it's not. It's not haram. It's not. You know. You don't. You're not a, sin, a sinner for that. But it's for your own sake. Do not fall asleep while you having. You know. While you're lighting a candle, or there's like fire in any way. You know, or any type that's on. Turn it off before you go to sleep. Just turn it off. Uh, the Prophet is saying they could do that. They could manipulate the environment to burn your house, to burn you and your family. So be careful. Also, uh, so that's the second type of harm. The third type of harm is actually harming newborns. And we all know this, and I mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. Every single human being that was born was poked by shaitan. Literally poked. In the realm of the dimension of the jinn, shaitan comes in and pokes every single newborn. Why? And and the skulls actually kind of derive this very, you know, like, unanimous consensus about this that when they poke you first of all you cry that's why ironically doctors they are happy when they hear the newborn crying they're like okay it's alive right but then crying mean that was every single human being by the way every single newborn cries because of the poking of shaitan and that poking creates in your heart that black clot that's a bridge between you and shaitan so he can basically it's your uh, antenna shaitan can whisper to you through this can control you through this this is not again this is not a myth this is not fantasy this is based on an authentic hadith by the prophet you know so shaitan pokes you it hurts you cry to doctors this is a good sign but in reality it's just nature shaitan is poking you and out of hate of course he does it out of hate and then a black clot uh, is formed in your heart and that little tiny black clot is the antenna. This is like the Wi-Fi bridge, basically. Between you and shaitan, that's how they can whisper to you. That's how your qareen, your companion, can whisper bad things and evil things to you. You don't believe me? Let's see what happened to the Prophet ﷺ when he was at the age of four. We mentioned this in, in, in the previous uh, season. At the age of four, Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Uh, Angel Jibreel came to him when he was playing uh, with, with, with the kids in, in the street. And of course... Prophet didn't recognize nobody and recognize who's this guy. You know, he took the form of a man, very clean looking man. And then the kids were scared. He grabbed Prophet Muhammad. He opened his chest at the age of four. Prophet Muhammad did not feel the pain. He witnessed the whole operation. Opened his chest, took out his heart, put it in a golden bowl, washed it with water to take out that basically took out that black black clot and then put it back in. And closed back, you know, closed his, his, uh, um, the chest of the Prophet back. And by the way, the, the scar of this was with the Prophet until the day he died. Like he showed it to the companions while he was telling the story. And of course, later on, that's why he didn't feel any pain. Because it was Angel Jibreel coming to take out that black clot from the, uh, the heart of the Prophet It is real. We're not like the Prophet 
We have that black cloud, otherwise we're not normal humans. Guess who, and, and, and we know about this from the Quran. There is two people who were never even poked in the first place. So Prophet, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was poked, but at the age of four, uh, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala sent uh, Angel Jibreel to you know uh, take out his heart. And there's a wisdom. Again, some people say, why, why didn't Allah prevent the poking? Of, uh, of 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 Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because at the end of the day this is something that Allah has a wisdom for you know and and the, the procedure of this maybe we would never know about the black clot specifically and and you know how the how it goes unless this happened now of course Allah didn't do all this to show us an example but I'm saying part of the wisdom we'll never know the full wisdom but we know that there are two people who actually were never poked Maryam Mary the mother of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, and Jesus himself. Why? Because their, the, Jesus' grandmother, Hannah, or Hannah, uh, the mother of Mary, she made a dua. This is mentioned, by the way, in the Quran, in the chapter of Al-Imran, verse number 36. She made a dua to Allah. Oh Allah, protect her, talking about uh, Maryam, uh, and her progeny from the poking of shaitan. Maryam. She's the mother of, 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 of Jesus Christ is uh, I'm sorry, the mother of Mary is basically saying, I, I called my daughter's name Maryam or Mary. She's talking to making dua to Allah. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you. And her progeny. Or like from the poking of Shaitan. These two were not were born basically. Most likely not crying at all. I mean, we're talking about at the moment of birth because they were not poked by shaitan. Allah protected them from shaitan. And maybe that's another wisdom why Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu still had to be poked by shaitan because Allah wanted to grant, you know, uh, Mary and her uh, her son that special miracle, right? So he didn't, like, like I said, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu is the most beloved human being to Allah. That does not mean that Allah doesn't give specialities to other prophets and messengers, right? But we know that for a fact, you know, uh, and, and, and again, at the same time, like Allah rewards every single person separately and differently. At the end of the day, there is the best of mankind, Prophet Muhammad He is the best of mankind ever created, you know? But Allah gives other miracles to other people as well. That that's, there's nothing wrong with that. For those who you know questioning, why did Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allow Shaitan to poke Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Well, guess what? The Shaitan of the Prophet because of that, became what Muslim. We know this. Prophet Muhammad said in another hadith, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala aanani Allahu ala ala qarini. Basically, the Prophet saying, Allah help me against my companion from the jinn, from the evil jinn. And he became a Muslim, and now he only whispers good things along with the angels as well. So again, at the end of the day, this is actually a good thing, not a bad thing, right? So that's uh, another type, which is the third type, which is, you know, uh, they, they could uh, burn, uh, you know, uh, burn down your, your house, and then uh, newborns, and then the newborn, that was number three. Now, uh, number four, the, the fourth type of harming that they could do is disturbing those, those who are dying. We mentioned the story about Imam Ahmad. Remember when he was about to die and then he, his son was with him in, in the room and he said, not yet, not yet. And then his son thought he was talking about, you know, death. 
And he goes to his father and he's like, oh, oh, father, like, are you defying death? Like, you don't want to die yet? And then his son said, no, 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 no. I'm talking to Shaitan. Shaitan came to me and told me you escaped trying to tempt him even while he was dying. You, you, you got away, man. I was trying to tempt you all of your life, but you got away. So Imam Ahmad, because he's very righteous and very knowledgeable, which is shows you the importance of knowledge. He said, not yet. I have not escaped you yet. You know, I didn't get away yet. I didn't die yet. I only get away from you on your whispers. So uh, only when I die. And the reason why he, Shaitan came to him at the moment of death is because he's trying so hard to make him arrogant. He basically wants Imam Ahmad to be like, yeah, I, I, I won because I'm knowledgeable. He wanted to play with that. But subhanAllah, Imam Ahmad, because of his knowledge, you know, and of course with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, caught the game right away. You know, so uh, so again, shaitan comes to you and at the moment of death, trying so hard to make you not uh, say the shahada, you know, the testimony of faith, to make you busy with worldly stuff while you're about to die and not making an istighfar and asking Allah to forgive you. They will try their best until the moment you die. Their only stop tempting us and attacking us once we die. That's why, what this is basically what Imam Ahmad told him. Not yet. Once I die, then I have escaped you. But for now, I'm still alive. That means you're still going to try and the test still goes on. Now, if we look at the, the ability of the evil jinn to harm us, they can harm the human body, like I said, mentally and physically, right? They could harm us mentally without possession by whispering bad things to us, by whispering other bad things to other people. So they could basically, you know, uh, affect us mentally, saying bad stuff to us. They could literally cause mental abuse and mental harm without possession. They don't have to get inside our bodies and stay there and, you know. So they basically could straight up go whisper to us to make us do evil things. And that's mental harm because we hurt ourselves. We do bad things to ourselves and our bodies and whatever. Physically, again, causing us to harm our bodies physically. And that goes into without even possession. Or they could do it via the possession route, which is basically, and the scholars, by the way, the, the majority of the scholars, they say when, when jinn are possessing us, they live in our brains to take control because our brains is the central hub of all the networks in our body, right? So when, when they go live in our bodies, and again, shaitan, like I said, he runs in our bloodstream to whisper stuff to us. That's not possession, by the way. Our qareen, is, it's not possession. This is, they just, they go inside our bodies, they whisper to us, they, they try to control us, like I said, but that's not the definition of possession. Possession is when they take control of the mind. You're not yourself anymore. You are literally and physically and mentally uh, hypnotized by them. You do whatever they want you to do and, and they cause you pain and, and suffering and all these things. We'll talk about the symptoms. But again, so they can harm us mentally and physically by basically living in our brains. Uh, because again, like they, they speak because once they are in our brains, what happens? What causes you to speak? Your brain. So they actually speak with our tongues. Literally, they do the speaking on our behalf. And you see this. And again, I don't want to focus too much on the horror movies and, and the exorcism movies and the possessions. But in a way, there is truth to it. I've actually seen people who are actually were possessed and it's freaky. But yeah, they actually the voice could change. Not, it's not a joke. Their voices could change because the, whatever the jinn, whoever the jinn is in them, by the way, the jinn who possess are not necessarily the shayateen. 
there could be just bad jinn. Like, they're not disbelievers, they're not shayateen, you know, they're not from the shayateen, they're not from the followers of Satan, but they're not a not, not a good example of the jinn species. They also could, so possession is not just from shaitan. It could come from a jinn who is not righteous or not good in the first place. They could control our physical movements. So they could control our tongues, physical movements, all these things. Seizures, for example. If you got a seizure, this either a medical condition, again, like I said, I'm stressing that everything has to be examined medically first, then you can say it could be possession. So we're not talking about the medical part. Once the medical examination or whatever, the medical uh, part is ruled out, then when we talk about jinn, jinn could actually cause seizures, right, to, 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 to human beings. Now, like I said, if, if, uh, for those who are going to say, well, shaitan is in our bodies anyway, well, that is stage one. So think of it this way. Shaitan is in your body as like stage one. They whisper to you without possession, without controlling your mind. Remember, when shaitan runs in your bloodstream, they don't control your mind. They whisper things to you, right? And then you listen to them depending on, you know, the level of faith and the level of knowledge and all these things. Now, if they decide to physically harm you, to go to, to take it up a notch, to go to the extreme, basically, which is stage two, which that's the highest level. So you have stage one, which is mild. They try to whisper to you to harm you in, 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 in the traditional way or go up a notch and, and, and take it to the extreme, which is stage two, which is to actually live in your brain, try to take control and actually harm you via possession. And again, responding to uh, some of the, because I always ask these questions, can a human be possessed by a, a Muslim jinn? Absolutely. If the Muslim jinn is not righteous enough, if they're evil Muslim jinn, like I said, jinn are like human beings. They have the good and they have the bad. They have the righteous. They have the extremely, you know, crazy and, and you know, they're doing bad stuff and they still could be Muslim, called Muslim, right? But absolutely, Muslim jinn, can uh, um, you know uh, possess human beings or non-Muslim Christian jinn? Like I said, jinn follow the religion of human beings. Uh, Jewish jinns, uh, disbelievers, and and the majority of, of of the possession happens. It happened from you know the the, the shayateen, the devils, but not exclusive to them. Okay. Now, what are the causes of possession? Let's talk about that. That's very interesting. What what could cause what would make a jinn possess you? Number one, they could just straight up be evil. They want to harm you because they're evil jinn. Now, you're someone who's not seeking Allah's protection. You're not saying Bismillah. You're not saying, Oh Allah, protect me from the jinn. Then you're susceptible to this. Like I said, whenever you use the name of Allah for protection, it puts a barrier against them, right? Uh, and and that's basically that happens, right? So they cannot possess you. They cannot take control of you once Allah is protecting you. Like I said, Allah is the ultimate protector. So again, some so some they're just bullies, if you want to call them. They're just bullies. Also, another thing which is a very odd cause, but they could actually fall in love with you. Yes, some jinn could. And I said that's why when you walk around in your house thinking you're alone without any clothes, that's a problem. You have to say Bismillah because you don't want the jinn to see your aura, to see your body parts that you're supposed to cover. And they could one on one time after the other be like, whoa, like, you know, they could actually fall in love with you and they could try to possess you out of, again, they want to be with you in that way. 
And that happens. Again, like I said, jinn are like human beings. Is that Now, some people are saying, like, isn't that odd? How would that work out? Well, they try to possess you to make it work out, to be inside of your brain, to take control of you. And that's their way of expressing love, I guess. But yeah, bullying or being evil jinn or uh, the fact that and, and, and the, they, they could fall in love with you. They can actually have uh, feelings for you. That's why you should cover yourself whenever you can from them. And these are all, the, the, the thing that make these all things possible is you being away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not remembering Allah, you're not seeking Allah's protection, and that's why it happens. Now, that, these are the motivations. Now, how does it happen, the process? It happens in one of four cases. Number one, extreme anger. Now, it ha- like, like these four cases, like the ability, the method, the process of them entering your body, going inside your brain, and living there is basically it happens due to one of four things, and they're all when you are vulnerable, and 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 we're talking about mentally vulnerable. Like for example, extreme anger. And by the way, shaitan fuels anger, my dear brothers and sisters. When you're angry, like uh, the Prophet told us in in a in a beautiful hadith, when you're angry, the first thing you do is to say, "A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim." I seek refuge. From, uh, from shaitan I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the shaitan oh Allah protect me from shaitan a'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim because what happens is you'll be surprised shaitan doesn't know when when you're angry shaitan feels it feels it feels it until you explode and when you go to that extreme anger level shaitan wants you to forget about him he doesn't want you to say a'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim nor he wants you to calm down. He will keep igniting and fueling that anger until it ca- it goes to the extreme. Now, whether they want to possess you at this point or not, not every angry person gets possessed. Of course, we know that. But I'm saying it could be an entry point when you're extremely angry. Shaitan loves to make us angry anyway. Has nothing to do with possession, like I said. But it's easier for them to possess you when you are at your extreme anger you know status or condition so again once you're 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 feeling angry pause for a second say and and, and just realize that shaitan is making it worse he's playing with your mind if there's a conversation going on or there's a debate going on and you're getting warmed up and getting angry shaitan fuels it with all the bad thoughts and you know keeps trying to make you angry how dare they do this to you how are you going to take this and all these things you think you're talking to yourself but no it's actually shaitan talking to you now another thing is that when you're angry when you're when you feel like you're really angry the prophet told us a little trick if you're standing sit down if you're standing sit down and if you're sitting either stand up or lay down on the bed or whatever you're if you are sitting on a bed the Prophet is saying this why? Because shaitan, like I said, now this is this is not possession. Shaitan is in our bodies, like we said, he runs in our bloodstream. And when shaitan is taking control of your anger, fuel fueling it, the more you give in, in terms of anger, the more you show anger, the more you get angry, the more shaitan is controlling. Yes, playing you like a puppet. Now again, this is not possession. This happens on a daily basis with m- millions of people who get angry on a daily basis, right? So the more he ignites that anger, the more he takes control of your body. If you're standing and you sit down, what did you do? You confuse the shaitan by by switching your position because shaitan, like I said, runs in your bloodstream. Once you change your position, shaitan gets distracted 
and that 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 control that he has over us gets a little bit, you know, fuzzy because he's distracted. He gets distracted momentarily. So again, the Prophet is telling us beautiful tricks to use. This is physical tricks. You say it first. Then change your body position. If you change your body position, you will distract Shaitan from taking control. Again, not possession, from taking control of your anger. That's what I meant. Now, as soon as you calm down a little bit, you feel like, okay, you got... If you thought, in, if you were like, you know, um, if you had the chance to think, to sit down or change position, that means you are ready to make wudu, go make wudu and pray to rakas. You will, inshallah, be very, very calm. And once you get angry, by the way, be quiet. Don't say something that could destroy, uh, you know, your life or your uh, the relationship that you're having with your spouse or your friend or whenever uh, a, f- a family member. Be quiet. Because shaitan is pushing you to say bad things. To say things that you cannot come back from. Be careful. Be careful. These are life lessons. Wallahi subhanAllah. These are life lessons that we should learn from Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Say all the Change possession. While you're doing that, be quiet. Stay quiet as much as you can. Once you feel like you realize what's going on and shaitan is helping, igniting that anger, go make wudu and pray to rakaz. And almost guaranteed every single time you will feel a lot better. A lot better. So that is number one. Extreme anger. Once you get to that extreme anger, there's no resistance from you. If you don't do any of the things that I just told you, it's possible. Now I'm saying that, that this, again, it will be absurd to say that every time someone gets extremely angry, they get possessed. That's not the case. The case is, if you ignore all the advice of the Prophet if you don't do any of this, and you get extremely angry, and the jinn wants to possess you, for any reason, it's an entry point. They can at that moment. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, you know, but they can possess you if they want. So that is number one. Number two, having an extreme unlawful desire. So if you're, again, like you're getting to, I don't want to say the climax, but that's the right word to describe it. Like when you're getting into that desire and you're getting into that, like if you're doing something unlawful, like adultery with someone and you're getting to that extreme point of desire that's one of it or let's say you're not getting into adultery but you're watching porn for example doing something you shouldn't do something unlawful and you get to that extreme desire point this is an entry point for shaitan notice they are coming to you from things that you shouldn't do getting extremely angry you shouldn't do getting extreme unlawful desire you shouldn't do right now getting extreme desire that's lawful with your spouse this is very much you know permissible and nobody can do anything about that right like they cannot attack you from that they only can attack you when you do something you shouldn't do so that's one point and that's why you know even even with our spouses we say that that i said that i mentioned before oh allah protect us from shaitan and protect uh, our progeny from shaitan as well and you say bismillah before anything even in the lawful ones so imagine in the unlawful ones so again entry point extreme anger number two extreme unlawful desire when you reach that you know that state uh now number three is extreme heedlessness and like i said being heedless is basically you're you're no there's no remembrance of allah in your life there's no dhikr there's no praying, there's no fasting, there's no Quran playing in your life. Like you're literally living like a dead person. And the Prophet 
called the people who do not remember Allah, who do not pray, who do not do any of the things that define them as Muslims, they're like ghosts. And we don't believe in ghosts, but like they're dead people, basically. You know, like the Prophet said, the houses that don't have Quran playing in them, they're like uh, graveyards. They're like graveyards. Our homes and houses, they're like graveyards. If you don't have Quran playing in, you know, our homes and and, and, and in our houses and in rooms and, you know, like uh, us listening to it, we're like dead people walking. So extreme heedlessness, when you get to that level of there is nothing reminding you of Allah, there is nothing connecting you to Allah or to Islam, then this is also an entry point that shaitan uses if they want to, you know, uh, possess you, they can do that at that state. And the last one, number four, is extreme joy or fear. That's why Muslims shouldn't be extremely joyful. Now, that doesn't mean be sad. Be joyful. Be very joyful. Just don't go to the extreme. Do not let joy make you forget about Allah. Some people, when they're happy about something worldly, and we're not talking, we're talking about worldly joy. They forget about Allah. That's what's meant here. To forget about Allah because you're so happy about something in this world. To get to the extreme point of that, that's a weakness point. That's when you're vulnerable and shaitan or evil jinn could possess you. Same thing when you have extreme fear. You have extreme fear that you forget that Allah exists. You're fearing something other than Allah. We're talking about extreme fear of something in this world. Something you shouldn't fear more than Allah. Right, And yet you're fearing it more than Allah. So you get to the extreme by fearing something more than you should fear Allah. Again, you're vulnerable. Like I said, it's the, they, they pick you at your worst moments. One of these four could be an entry point if they want to possess you. Like I said, being in these moments does not automatically mean, oh, you'll be possessed. No. But you're more likely to get possessed if they want to possess you at these four uh, states. So extreme anger, extreme unlawful desire, uh, extreme heedlessness, and extreme joy or fear. Now, let's talk about the symptoms of possession. There are symptoms while you're awake, and there are symptoms while you're asleep, meaning, um, you know, dreams and nightmares and all these things. So the, 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 what I'm about to tell you, like I said, if that happens to you or to anybody you know, that doesn't automatically mean you're possessed. That means you should seek medical help. And if they s- fail to explain anything, then you can head to a scholar and assume that it's possession. Now, while you're awake, let's talk about, and, and by the way, all the symptoms that I'm going to talk about are not a one time off or two times or three even times. It has to take months. It has to be something that's constant that happening to you all the time for a very long time. Continuous headache, migraines. Now, like I said, the jinn, they, and we're talking about, these are the ones where you're awake. Uh, the jinn, they live in our brains if they are possessing us, right? So this goes after the medical examination. Do you understand? Like, I want to stress this again. You have to seek medical help first, then come and look at these symptoms now. Uh, you have constant migrations, constant uh, headaches all the time and unexplained. You go to a doctor and the doctor say, I don't know what you're talking about. You seem fine to me. You shouldn't have any headaches. Unable to hear Quran. Meaning what? When Quran plays next to you or when someone recites Quran, you feel pain, physical pain. You can't take it. 
You cannot listen to Quran. Now, some people are not interested, unfortunately. Some people don't want to listen because they just don't want to focus on it or they don't care. That's different. I'm talking about you have physical, but you cannot stand listening to Quran. You have physical pains from listening to Quran. So that's another symptom. Uh, not wanting to do any acts of worship, any of the acts of worship. So you don't want to pray. You don't want to. Again, you are somebody's trying to force you to, to pray and you say, no, I, I don't want to pray. Do not make me, if, even if I die. Like you don't, you resent. That's the right word. Not not wanting. You resent uh, any of the acts of worship. You don't want to, fa- you resent fasting, you resent praying. So that's another uh, symptom. Uh, the third symptom is your mind is not there. You feel like someone else is in control. Your mind, you feel like you're just, you know, you're numb. Your brain is numb. You're not there. You know, you're you're oblivious. You're just, you're not there. You know, physically and mentally, you don't feel that you're there. Now, again, if there is no medical reason, then you should focus that these could be, uh, you know, very much symptoms of possession. So let me repeat them again. Having constant headaches for weeks and weeks, unable to hear Quran physically, it hurts you to hear Quran. Uh, Not wanting or resenting any of the acts of worship or all of them. Uh, And you feel like your mind is not there. Any of these symptoms, if you have them or if you have all of them, and there was no medical explanation given by specialists, then you should, uh, you know, start thinking about possession and go to, uh, an, you know, the, lock, the, the local scholar in your community and tell them basically how you feel, and they'll walk you through it. And again, we'll, we'll talk about how to deal with possession now, but just in case, you need someone local to help you out uh, with that. Now, so this is for while you're awake. Let's talk about the, 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 the sleeping part, why you, you are asleep. And by the way, like I said, like the, the awake one, this has to happen for a very long time, continuously for a long time. For example, unable to sleep again for months, you, you have, you're unable, like you, you cannot sleep. You are unable to sleep. You cannot go to sleep for months and, 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 you know, weeks and months. So that's something. And again, without any physical or medical reason, then this is a symptom. Uh, you keep waking up in your sleep having nightmares all the time. So instead of having sometimes dreams, sometimes nothing, sometimes nightmares, that's a human, that's a normal human being. You're always almost every day having nightmares or, or every other day having nightmares and you cannot sleep. Continuous nightmares. Then that's a symptom. Um, you know, uh, seeing many animals that are trying to harm you in your dreams or nightmares at this point. So if you see animals trying to scratch you all the time, we're talking about, because some people, you know, have dreams or nightmares about animals attacking them. One off, twice happened to them, three times. Okay, fine. But if it's continuous, you know, then you have a problem. That's a symptom, right? Uh, If you, while you're asleep, you feel your teeth grinding all the time. If your teeth or somebody, your your, your spouse is next to you and they tell you like you're grinding your teeth every single day. Again, all what I'm saying is without a medical explanation, then that's a symptom. Laughing and crying so hard while you're sleeping. Again, continuous. This is something that happens all the time. That's not one time, you know, um, I remember uh, one time uh, we had a, a, like I was having um, a sleepover with my friends uh, back in in college days 
and we slept over at, you know, uh, at one of our, you know, apartments. And then one of my friends, while, while he was asleep, he was just like laughing so hard hysterically and we all freaked out. <laughs> you know, we actually wanted to leave. Uh, we tried to wake him up. He was not waking up. But it turns out it's just a one-off. Like he was not possessed or anything like that. But it was freaky. So if this happens to you every single day or on a very, you know, regular basis, then this is a symptom. Um, here's the interesting part. Seeing people in weird sizes in your dreams. Again, seeing people in weird sizes, and I had that actually for for when I was in high school, and 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 I could not explain it. I had it for like it was, I don't want to say it was continuous, but I had it for like at least two three months. Yeah, and and but alhamdulillah, it was gone. I mean, while I was still in high school, but I couldn't explain it, and I couldn't even tell anybody because I didn't make anything out of it, and that was probably the only thing that i had like i didn't have the other symptoms so i don't know maybe i don't know it was a temporary like possession or it was just nothing uh and, and i wouldn't have to have it every day but i had it constantly i remember when i was when i was in high school for like uh, for like a like a few very few months uh but i wouldn't have it every day but i would you know maybe once a week or something so again that was not that serious but i would see people like human beings in weird sizes like I and I cannot explain it to you but I, because I know how it feels because I've had those dreams and you see someone who's very small and then someone next to him was very like like they're like giants compared to you and then you see someone else is very 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 tiny compared to you and then other people are very very gigantic and it's weird it's like a very psychedelic kind of weird dream if you guys know what I mean, I've had that, uh, um, but alhamdulillah, like that was it. And, and uh, alhamdulillah, it's over now. But yeah, that that is a symptom if you have it very, like a lot, almost every day or every other day for months and months. So yeah, see people, seeing people in weird sizes, uh, dreaming of falling and all, I'm assuming, dreamt of falling and we always wake up before we fall. That's, you know, the saying, but uh, I'm not talking about a one time or two times or even 10 times constantly almost every two days or every day you know you're seeing this for months and months in a very constant way that could be a symptom and again this could be all nothing if there's a medical uh, or a mental you know problem that you're having and you discovered by your physician then you shouldn't worry about that but you should start questioning these things if there is no explanation at all so like i said while you're awake we talked about this uh, you know, not wanting, because uh, the symptoms I know, they are important for all of us. Uh, you don't want to hear Quran, you have constant headaches, uh, you know, uh, your mind is not there, uh, you don't, you resent uh, any acts of, uh, you know, worship uh, and all these things. And while you're asleep, if you're uh, having nightmares all the time, if, you can, if you're unable to sleep, or if you're seeing animals all the time trying to attack you and harm you in your dreams and, and scratch you and whatnot, or if you're, uh, you know, seeing people in weird sizes or you're constantly falling or if your teeth are grinding while you're asleep, all these symptoms, if not medically explained, then you should go talk to, uh, you know, your, lo your local uh, scholar or, or sheikh or imam to help you out with these symptoms. Now, who should cure this? And this is a very uh, critical point. Number one, it, you don't have, they don't have to be certified imams, just to let you know. Anyone, any, you and me, by the way, if you possess the correct 
theology, the correct aqidah. You know who Allah is. You know what we should do as Muslims. If you possess the correct knowledge, you should be qualified to cure this, to help. And, and how do you do like, the exorcism itself, like the actual acts of exorcism, like to get the jinn out of the body, you and me could do that very much. But you, we have to have these things. Not Again, like I said, any human being, any Muslim could do it if they possess the correct theology, implementing monotheism, tawheed, la ilaha illallah, we implement it in our lives. There's no God but Allah. And if we act upon this, and we have the belief without a shred of doubt that the cure comes from Allah, from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you understand? If you're going there thinking you're curing, that's not, you're not, you're not one to cure. If you're going there thinking you're, you're a tool that Allah is using to cure because cure comes from Him and His book, the Quran, then you are, you know, qualified inshallah. And, you know, you must have the right intentions. So when you're about to go to help someone with their possession, you know, to perform exorcism or whatever, uh, you doing it for the sake of Allah to help a, a Muslim brother or a Muslim sister and you're doing it again for the sake of Allah to help someone who is in need, who is in suffering and you want to help them out not to be famous and not for people to be like, whoa, look at him or her. No. So uh, so that is basically it. That's what you need to, to have to be able to you know perform the exorcism or to help someone who is possessed. Now, how to uh, the actual treatment now the actual cure of this treatments they, there are three stages the first stage is uh, the pre-treatment so basically you have to do uh, before you go to that treatment session to help them out there must be things that they need to do the person who is possessed number one for example um if if there are um you know um any items that could cause shirk in the house, any inappropriate paintings, or any painting, by the way, we said that, if you have a painting of, of, of someone with a soul, or a creature with a soul hanging in your house, angels don't come in, this is a hadith, do you understand, this is not, because a lot of people put any painting in your house that's trees, a lake, no humans, no animals, no birds, simple, no humans, animals, any any living thing, insects, whatever, anything that has a soul, don't put it and don't put it hanging. You can put it on on a table. Do not hang it on the wall. We mentioned this, I think, many times, and in the episode of the angels, the angels don't come into your house. Do you, would you rather that you want the angels to be? But now, not the ones who write your deeds. The ones who write your deeds, no matter where you go. They're going to come with you. I'm talking about the ones who come and bless you and whisper good stuff to you. You know, I removed Wallahi once I found out years ago when I found out and, and I have people who are upset who gave me gifts uh, uh, as, you know, as paintings of animals and paintings of people. And when I removed them and I said, well, I can't. I know you're upset with all due respect. I, I, I understand that. But I want angels to come into my house. Same thing as the dogs, by the way. If you have dogs in your house, Angels won't come in because dogs are impure. They're filthy and angels do not exist in places of impurity. That's why angels don't walk in with you in the bathroom. Because who walks in with you in the bathroom? The two angels that write the good deeds and the bad deeds. So don't worry, you're not escaping them. 
they will come with you anywhere until the moment you die. We're talking about the good angels, the guardian angels, those who help you, those who protect you, all those types of angels do not come in filthy places. So if you have a dog in the house, find a way to, you know, I, I, I'm just telling you, that's why. Muslims don't hate dogs. Dogs are impure animals. And we know this. This actually their saliva is impure. If you're, uh, you know, if you had their saliva on you and you are in a state of, of wudu, you have to go and redo your wudu. You have to understand that their saliva is impure. Again, we're not Muslims because that I know that's the joke. Muslims don't like dogs. No, it's just dogs are impure. We cannot have dogs in the houses because of that. But we, you know, you can have dogs as. For security guards, if if they, if you have a home, if you have a backyard and you have a home for them in the backyard and they're not coming into your house, then that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, and then hanging, like I said, hanging pictures because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you cannot uh, 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 honor creation that was not made by Allah, by some sort of a famous artist or whatever, is something that angels dislike, they don't like, so they don't want to be around. So that's the wisdom out of it. Um, so uh, again, uh, any items that could cause shirk, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you have to confirm symptoms. That's also from the pre-treatment. Uh, and again, the person who is uh, possessed, you have to convince them if, you know, we're assuming that they're not religious enough or whatever, that cure only comes from Allah. It does not come from anyone else. Okay, so that is the pre-treatment. Clean up the house from anything that Allah doesn't like or the angels, you know, won't or would prevent the angels from coming in. Clean the house from all of that. Uh, make sure that the, 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 the patient or the person who's possessed, knowing that the cure, they need to depend on Allah, not on you. Seek your help, but Allah is the one giving the cure and, you know, all these things. So that is, uh, uh, you know, that is the pre-treatment. Now, the during treatment, uh, so now the treatment process is you have to make wudu. You go make wudu before you start the treatment and you say the athkar. So say, oh Allah, protect, make dua to Allah, make dhikr, say, a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim, bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Recite the, any, by the way, any surahs work. Any surahs work. Recite the chapter of, 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 uh, of, of uh, the first chapter, the Fatiha. Recite the Ma'udhat, you know, the, the last three chapters. Recite as much dhikr as you can after you make wudu. Now, if the possessed person is uh, a woman and you're a man who is, you know, uh, trying to cure her, then make sure that she's fully covered. You know, and their, her mihram uh, must be present in the room. So now, what is a mihram? A mihram is a man who is, uh, you know, uh, halal for the woman to be around without a hijab. So, for example, her husband, if she's married, or her uh, brother, or her, you know, father, or her, you know, son. Her mihram is her, you know, uh, the, the, the relative from, uh, you know, a male relative that she could be without a hijab in front of. Again, just to make it not, so it's not awkward, right? If, the, if this woman is not related to you, then someone, you know, from the, the male side uh, should be present while she's there. Um, also, and again, this is just, 
to be appropriate, right? Uh, now, uh, while you're performing, or uh, 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 the, the 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 you know the in during the process, basically, uh, you make du'a to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to help you against the jinn. Like I said, this is a key point. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the one who's going to help you against the jinn. You're not the one with special abilities. You know, you're not John Constantine from you know the comics that you're like, okay, I'm gonna I can handle this. You can't. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the ability if he wills through the Quran. That's that, that's all you do. Basically, you just recite the Quran, you know, and 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 with the intention and the certainty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, you know, help you against uh, that jinn. Uh, then you, out of the rituals, like I, and I mentioned before, like the same way we do the ruqya on our children when the spirits are kind of bothering them, you know, you place your hand on the head of the possessed and then you recite the ruqya. So the ruqya is essentially the, the, the key point here, right? And we said the ruqya could be any, any, uh, um, any verses from the Quran. Uh, there are preferred verses from the Quran that I will, you know, tell you right now. But anything, if you don't memorize, it's something that you have to kind of memorize, or you can hold the Quran with you, preferably if you if you can memorize it. Uh, that should work. Anything from the Quran should work with the intention. But uh, Al-Fatiha. Uh, so these are the recommendations. Al-Fatiha, the first chapter in the Quran. This is very powerful. We all know that the Fatiha is a, a must for our prayers to be accepted we have to recite the fatiha in every single prayer that shows you how powerful and important that, that this chapter is um, you can also recite the first four verses of the second chapter al-baqarah so the first four verses of al-baqarah uh you know uh and there is uh, actually a verse called uh, as-sihr in the chapter of Baqarah, وَاتَّبْعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا الشَّيَاطِينَ عَلَى مُلْكُ سُلَيْمَانِ وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلَيْمَانَ وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرَ وَمَا أَنزَلَ عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ بِبَابِلَ هَارُوتَ وَمَارُوتَ This is from the chapter of Baqarah, verse number 102. Again, the first four verses from Baqarah, uh, you start with the Fatiha, the first chapter, then the first four verses from the chapter of Baqarah, uh, then the verse number 102 from the chapter is called the verse of Sihr or the verse of, of black magic, uh, which is related to the, the jinn. Uh, the verse number 102 from uh, Al-Baqarah. Then the famous verse that we all know, the verse of Kursi from the chapter of Baqarah. Now, I remember I said, as a sunnah, before you go to sleep, you should recite the verse of Kursi every single night to basically expel the evil jinn or the shaitan uh, you know, away from you. Also, from the recommendations, like this is the consensus of the scholars, basically, they're saying you should recite the chapter of Mu'minun, the first, uh, the last three verses of chapter Mu'minun. Uh, also, the chapter of Hashr, which is it's not a, a long chapter. Again, I don't want to confuse you. So if, if you memorize any of this, you just go ahead and recite it. Or if you're willing to hold the Quran and recite this, again, this is the more recommended, but anything from the Quran works. If you're only memorized the Kursi, Al-Fatiha, and the last, for example, two chapters of Baqarah, the last three chapters in the Quran, uh, whatever you're memorized, just say it and recite it with the intention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, you know, help you against the jinn to expel the jinn out of, you know, 
the Quran. Again, this is this is these are the recommendations, but anything goes. This is the Quran. All of the Quran is you know blessed, and all the Quran should help us against the shayateen or the evil jinn. Again, these are the recommendations. You're not obligated to recite these verses. You can recite any other verses that you are memorizing, right? Al-Fatiha, first four verses uh, from the, the chapter of Baqarah, verse number 102 from chapter of Baqarah, verse, uh, the, 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 the verse of Kursi, and the last three verses from the Baqarah, like we said, uh, chapter of Mu'minun, the, uh, the, fir- the last three verses of the chapter of Mu'minun, uh, the, the chapter of Hashr, all of the chapter, the chapter of As-Safat, and the chapter of Jinn. Remember, we said there's a chapter called the Jinn. And the last, it's a, it's a, it's a process. Uh, and the last three surahs in the Quran, like we said, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ and قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ These three uh, chapters. Again, whatever you memorize at the moment, whatever you feel comfortable with, just have the intention and the certainty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you with the Qur'an to basically expel the jinn out of the, uh, the host, basically. So yeah, that's simply it. Now, since the jinn, is, 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 they, they don't like to stay in the bodies uh, while there's a Qur'an being recited, specifically these verses or you know as much as verses that you can recite, they will be affected and they will be in pain and you will see the host uh, the person who's possessed, you'll see that they are in pain, just like the movies. There's no joke about it. You know, that's why they say some of the, the, the things, the horror movies that you see with exorcism and all these things are based on a true story. Again, the difference is it's not like an old evil spirit living in the house or all these things. It's actually jinn. There's no such thing as ghosts, like we said. Now, do you actually might have the ability to talk to the jinn directly, you know, and you basically you kind of threaten them. Again, this is all keeping in mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one giving you that power, that if you, they don't leave the body, you're just going to keep reciting the Qur'an. That's why, my dear brothers and sisters, this is, and again, this is not like a freaky episode. This is reality. These things happen up until today. They ha- it happens to not the majority of people. Alhamdulillah, it happens to the minority of people. But this is a reminder of the Qur'an. Keep reciting the Qur'an. Keep hearing the Qur'an. You don't even have to recite it. Keep it playing in the background. I mean, you have to listen to it, right? And it's better that if you're memorizing it. Because there's no chance if evil jinn possesses a body, they can't stand the Qur'an. So you, you, you prevent them from possessing you in the first place. Being close to Allah. Listening to the Qur'an a lot. Praying. getting like Being close to Allah protects you from so many things. Not just possession. Things that could happen to you in life, you know, losing your way, um, uh, uh, mental things, mental problems, and and physical problems as well. So just it's it's this emphasizes how close we should be to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And again, you like I said, you so you you basically threaten the jinn and you tell them that you will. And Wallahi, this happens. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a horror story. This happens. You know, and, and I've been in settings where people performed. I was not in a setting where they performed the, 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 the exorcism. But people who are very, like, they're not lying. They're people who are really trustworthy, like scholars, who basically told told me uh, uh, stories about them expelling jinn from people's bodies. So th- this is very close. Like, I'm, I'm not, this is not an exaggeration. 
um uh, and so yeah um so again with repetition and and if they refuse to leave then you repeat what you did and, and eventually they will have to leave now be very careful they might leave and possess you if you're not upon uh the correct like that's why you said it's important you have to be about the correct theology you have to know that allah is the one helping you you're not doing it for show you're not doing it for people to call you super cool do you understand you have to do this because allah you're helping out someone who's a muslim and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically is the one doing the work you're just you know is the one who's causing the cure or causing that jinn to leave you're just a tool you're just you know the means um so be careful because you don't want to have this weak faith and then the jinn will possess because the jinn will possess anyone with really weak faith like we mentioned now post-treatment now the person has been let's say the jinn left alhamdulillah they feel better then you have to give them advice. You have to tell them that they must get close to Allah. There is no way around it. Because if this happens again, they can't go through this again. I mean, they can if, if they're willing to. Uh, they have to pray. They have to mention Allah all the time, the dhikr. You know, otherwise, they might come back for a second time. If you're still like that, it's a, it's a type of punishment. You know, and, and, and it's not caused by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah allows it to happen, right? But, Again, Allah allows it to happen because you're not close to Him. You're not using the protection tools that Allah gave all of us. Allah told all of us how to protect ourselves from possession, from even the whispers of shaitan, from doing doing evil, from doing bad things. Allah told us how to protect ourselves from the evil of the jinn, from influencing, like from, you know, affecting us, from giving, like being bad, you know, a bad influence on us, from you know, hurting us mentally, physically, possession, all these things. Allah gave us the tools, told us simple remembrance. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is, I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I only created human beings and jinn or jinn and human beings and, and, you know, uh, chronologically to worship me. That's the sole purpose of your existence. The fact that you're living your life is an extra thing that Allah does not mind as long as it's halal, as long as it's lawful, you're not doing anything against you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or Allah's commands. So, but life is not the end goal. Don't focus on life so much. You're were born and you live in this life to only worship Allah and to live your life. That's an extra, that's a bonus. So just don't forget that fact. You know. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually mentions the possession in, in one of the verses, I think in the verse of Baqarah, in, uh, in, in, in uh, I think it's verse number 275. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? Talking about those who deal in usury. And we're going to talk about usury later on. But usury basically is interest, de- dealing in financial interest. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah is saying on the day of judgment, Allah is basically talking about those who deal in, in usury. Uh, those who take usury, who take the interest, but also those who pay it. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, there's an authentic hadith by the Prophet ﷺ who said, uh, the one who takes the interest, the usury, takes the interest money, the one who basically you know pays you money, and like let's say the bank, for example, right? And if they're let's assume that the bank is a Muslim person, so the one who takes interest and the one who pays it, 
and the one who writes the contract and the one who's witnessing this, meaning like a legal witness, right? All four of them are equal in the sight of Allah. كلهم عند الله سواء. So don't think that if you're only taking, like if you're paying interest, then, then that you're fine. No, you're not. Now, so Allah's saying, those who deal in interest will be resurrected on the day of judgment as if they were possessed. Literally. Allah's saying, and this is explicit, that possession is mentioned in the Quran. There's, again, again, multiple uh, uh, narrations about it, multiple hadith, multiple you know verses, but this is a very clear that possession is real. It's not a myth. That Allah is saying, those will be resurrected, those who deal in usury on the day of judgment will be resurrected as of those who are possessed by jinn or by shaitan. Allah will resurrect him and they will feel like they're possessed. And what if, what if the, you know, what if the, one of the symptoms that they are possessed is that they feel like their mind is not there. They're going to feel lost. They're going to feel pain. They're going to feel the headaches. All these things while you are being resurrected on the day of judgment, if you are dealing with usury and you do not, you know, repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and, uh, you know, stop, uh, dealing in usury. And we'll talk about that, inshallah, you know, later on. So this is basically, you know, that sums up the whole possession uh, topic. And uh, yeah, that's it. Again, don't be freaked out by it. It happens. That does not negate the fact that it happens. You're not knowing about it. Uh, so it's better for you to know about it. Be ready for it. Just in case of, you know, you know someone uh, who, you know, or you yourself, uh, God forbid, get into that, you know, situation. Again, and don't don't forget, these, this, these are minority, uh, you know, cases that this happened, the possession happened, but it does happen. So now you know how to, you know, face it and how to deal with it, inshallah, and how to prevent it from happening in the first place. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. Inshallah, next episode will be the final episode in 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 the the Jin series when we will where, where we will talk about how, how can we fight against the shayateen, the weapons, and you know in detail like how the 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 the, the key points of us uh, you know fighting back of us beating the jinn and the shayateen, the evil jinn and the shayateen. Uh, uh, from any type of harm, whether it's possession, whether it's whispering and temptations and all these things. So, uh, yeah, that will be the next episode, inshallah. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.